traveling to places near and far. Been on the road so long, chasing my star. I love this rambling, even though it's sometimes hard. But I'll always come back, 'cause home is where you are. Hello and welcome to the Home Is Where dot 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 podcast. I'm Rose Cabral, and I'm so excited that I have Holly Holtz here with me today. So I will share a little about Holly. Holly is a writer, musician, depth facilitator, yoga teacher, and all around intuition based creatrix. Through her story-tending writing and embodiment circles, she helps women dive into their longings, honor their emotions, and reclaim their deepest truths. She's been featured on the 100% Guilt-Free Self-Care and Grounded Magic podcast, and her episode on the MYA My Yoga Audio podcast is in the top three ranking of all episodes released in the last three years. Her song, Sweet Forbidden Wine, from her album, No Horses, was nominated for NPR's All Songs Considered, and her column, Life Notes, was featured in Somatic Psychotherapy Today. Her greatest passion since 2013 has been supporting sensitive midlife women as they excavate their stories. When she's not writing or cheering on her son, the artist, You'll find her rescuing cats with her husband, studying the Enneagram, or driving the back roads without a map. And I also have to say hashtag storytending. That's so many things that you do. Thank you, Holly, for joining me today. I, I, I was like, uh, wow, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> that's you. I know. I love the excavation, excavating their stories. <laughs> Yes. Yes. And we do that through writing mostly. Yeah. Um, because it seems like it seems, it seems a little safe for a lot, for a lot of people to to be able to write it down and maybe, or maybe not share it, but at least they kind of get it out. Yeah. Um, I found that to be really, Oh, just something that, that, um, certain, certain women really are drawn to. And I have done groups where they're not really expected to do writing because on the other end of the spectrum, it freaks some people out to have mm. to write it down. So I try to address it from either the body or the writing or in the perfect scenario, both. Yeah. And I love how you, like your goal is to help women practice using their voice to be brave and support each other. Yeah. That's really awesome. We needed like more of that. <laughs> yeah. The supporting other other part I think is probably my favorite. And it's funny because when I was younger, I was very shy and didn't really feel like I had a lot of friends and I didn't feel like I had a lot of support. And so in my adulthood, being able to be, to like have so many women 
friends who I can trust and to be able to facilitate groups where I like help other women do that for each other is kind of amazing to me. Just looking back at the little girl who I used to be. Oh, yeah. That's lovely. All right. Should we dive in? We should dive in. Okay. So my first question for you is what does home mean to you? (laughs) I knew you were going to ask me that question and I'm still unprepared to answer it. So I have to, I'm a storyteller. And so I'm going to have to tell a little story. Love it. Home means to me, it, Home is definitely the place where I can, is the place that I can decorate, whether it's a physical place or myself, my actual body Mm. or my internal life. Like I have to be able to make it my own. And I think that's because I come from a long line of women who did that. My mom, we lived, okay, so here's my, my house story from when I was growing up. I lived in the same house from the time I was 10 days old until I was 24. And my parents lived in that house for 30 plus years. Wow. We never moved. The rest of the neighborhood, it was in the 70s and 80s, was in flux. People were getting divorced. People were moving away. So there there was everyone else around me was moving and everything was changed, but we stayed the same. Yeah. And my mom's house, we had this big bay window in the front of the house and people used to actually come up to us and, and talk to us about our, our front window. And they just always loved to look at the way my mom just made the front window look. And my grandma was the same. My grandparents were actually house flippers before that was a thing. Um, and ahead of they their would, time way ahead of their time <laughs> and, and they would buy like these little shacks and they, they were in Idaho and they would buy these little tiny houses and fix them up pretty as my mom said and then live in them for a couple years and, and sell them and I think that's part of the reason why my mom insisted on that they once we were in a house that we did not move because she didn't have stability growing up oh because she was moving into all the different houses she was moving all the time. And she said, I didn't want to invite my friends over because they, they were just dumps. You know, they were, <laughs> they weren't nice and they, and eventually they were nice and then we would sell them. <laughs> and so it was very frustrating for her. And so we, I, you know, my sister and I always dreamed of moving and we never got to move. And I think I, you know, ended up, I've moved, I've lived in a few places, but I'm really not a nomad. I've always lived in California and but I had a boss once in San Francisco when I lived there for a few years and she came over to my house for some reason. I can't remember why I I was the only person in the office. So we had to become sort of friends. And, um, she came over and she looked around she said, how long have you been here? And I said, Oh, it was maybe a year. And she's, but she had been in her house for several years. And she said, it, your house looks more lived in or your apartment looks more lived in than my house. And when I went to her house, because I helped her with something, I, I think there were still boxes in the corner. So to wow. me, it's a home is a place where you unbox everything. You put things where they belong and where you belong. And, and, and that can be, even if I'm traveling, I can have like a little 
part of myself that feels like home that I can just set out on the table or, you know, a couple little things that, okay, this is, this is mine. This is me claiming my little spot next to the bed or whatever in the hotel, even if it's like that. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of those things that you bring with you when you're traveling that help you feel, it sounds like that help you feel grounded, help you have that stability, maybe even though you're traveling? Yeah. Well, it's kind of changed over time. But one thing I know I always have is my notebook, Mm. my notebook and my pen so I can write things down. And I write way less on the road than people would imagine as a writer. You'd think, oh, I'm just taking notes, travel notes all the time. And I'm too busy experiencing things usually. Um, But that's one thing that has been consistent. I used to bring my guitar when I was playing music, but that that hasn't happened in many years. Um, and so I've kind of gone through phases. I recently went to Europe and I, I was packing so light. I thought, what can I bring? And I'm trying to think what I brought that was even um, like that. And then the notebook is the only thing that comes to mind. But if it's domestic travel, I usually bring, you know, Oracle cards or, or like an essential, just an essential oil. And I think I did, I think that's what it was. It was more like things that I, oils that I use on my skin, just something that feels like nourishing. That's mine that I can't get anywhere. It's not from the store. I have a local apothecary that I go to and she makes all the the face oils and things. And so that feels like home to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, that's so great. I know when I travel, I bring, I have these, um, these crystals that are on my desk. And then when I travel, I bring them with me. Oh yeah. I've done that before too. Or just, I mean, honestly, we're in the Sacramento area. And so I have river rocks in my house because I collect uh, shells and rocks and whatever. And so sometimes I'll just have a little round river rock. Mm. Yeah. That feels like taking a little bit of where I'm from to where I'm going. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about this bay window that your mom used to decorate that everybody used to ask you about. What did it what did it look like? What would she put in, in that window? Well, we had this lamp and it reminds me of that movie, the Christmas story or a Christmas <laughs> story when they had the leg lamp, but it wasn't like, it wasn't that, but it was kind of funky. It was kind of a funky lamp. And so it was this big, it, honestly, it was almost like a, sorry, mom. It was almost like a brothel lamp. I mean, it was a white kind of cream colored silk giant shade that was kind of, I don't know, shaped like a woman, but it was wide. It was really wide um, on the bottom. And then on the top, it kind of came up into a little like funnel and it had these probably like four inch long fringe around the bottom. And then the, the base of the lamp was gold, (laughs) like gold, like painted gold, um, like gold leaf or something. And it was like a bowl with little cherubs on it. I mean, it was really gaudy, <laughs> but it was the coolest lamp. And then she had these lace curtains that she made. My mom sewed everything. You know, she sewed a lot of, she would buy furniture at garage sales and, you know, like an old table that was painted bright orange. She would strip it and find the wood underneath and refinish it. And so when people would ask, Oh, where did you, you know, where did you get that lamp or those, those curtains are so unique. And 
she made them and she goes, <laughs> and then the furniture she said oh they're just they're early garage sale that's what she always said what, <laughs> what period are they from early garage sale and so my family was like a DIY family for sure. My, my parents always bought used cars. My dad would like be out in the front yard in the garage on the driveway, like changing the oil, fixing the car every weekend. So yeah, that's the kind of family I came from. And we also at Christmas, we could, we'd put the uh, all the decorations, like the tree and this nativity set was right in that window. And, um, and it's funny because I'm, I'm just, I'll out myself. I'm not a Christian now, but I really, you know, that's still like a, you know, foundational thing, just that memory. Um, yeah. And we had this pink satin couch for a while in that room. Right under the window. Under the window, they were, <laughs> um, there were sort of um, fuchsia, like pink colored velvet chairs. And then the light pink satin sofa. <laughs> wow. I know. And she, we're, she got everything. We're going to need to see pictures of this. I know. Holiday. I've got to Where find some the pictures. Photos? <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's just one incarnation of that room. She, she was always kind of, you know. Reinventing really inspired. it. Inspired. Yeah. Yeah. Because she was there for so long. She's probably like, okay, this is boring. I need something different. But I'm not right. going to move. I'm just going to transform the space. Yeah. That I and eventually have. the corporate wears out and you got to get new carpet or something. You know, there's certainly certain things that were basic, but yeah. So same house, which is um, unusual, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah. I lived in the same, well, I lived in the same apartment for a very long time, but I think might be a little bit different, right? Ownership of a apartment is different than a house. But yeah, being in one spot, I remember for me, everybody else moved. And I think you mentioned this, right? Like everybody else was moving and yeah. you were the one that stayed in place. So I remember I would get excited when people moved in, like other yeah. kids. Yeah. But then I would like, it was this thing about like, well, I want to get excited, but I don't want to get too excited because they're uh -huh. probably going to move. And the heartbreak right. when they moved. Right. And since I was kind of this awkward, shy girl, I'm like, they're not even going to like me. You know, I just thought, oh, how am I even, how am I going to introduce myself? And oh, yeah. And that did, that happened to me. And I, I had, I have like, I think I have childhood abandonment issues. And I realized that it's about the, it's not my family. It's like the, the neighborhood people leaving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought about that the other day. Yeah. They left me <laughs> and I had to be there in the boring, like boring, regular place when everyone else got to do fun things. I mean, that was my whole thing when I was growing up. Now, right. of course, I know it was pretty yeah. cool, but not as a kid. <laughs> right. It sounded more exciting to be moving all the time instead of being stable. Mm -hmm. Did But when they moved, did you get to go visit any of them ever? Um. Well... Yeah. And funny thing is, of course, when you're a kid, it feels like a million miles away. But really, I can think of one friend just moved a few blocks away. And so I would walk to her house. So we would all go over to her house. And then another friend, another couple friends moved to Morgan Hill, which I'm from San Jose. So there's just outside of San Jose. But it did feel far. Um, the only friend I didn't get to visit who I think it's really sad is she, he moved 
back to Connecticut because I think that's where his mom was from. And I never, he was always like writing me letters about going to summer in Cape Cod. I'm thinking, who is this? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realize you guys were so fancy, you know, Um, but I never got to see his fanciness. So that (laughs) that's too bad. Um, but yeah, I think there've been a, there were a couple that I got to visit, but then there were some I never saw again. Yeah. I, one of my best friends moved to Boston and that Mm. was like tragedy when we were like, we were probably like nine or 10 years old. It was like tragedy. I just remember like crying on the bed and being like, you can't move. You have to stay here. Um, but I, but I actually was able to go visit her. I think it was like the first time I ever went on a plane by myself. Wow. I went to go visit her. So it was kind of fun. Um, and and she always said she was going to move back, but she didn't. How, okay. I'm going to ask you a question. How old were you when you went to visit her? I was probably like 12 or something. Like I wasn't that old. Wow. It, yeah. Probably like 12. We went to the aquarium. And you're by yourself or are you at an, a, a her mom, on the plane? Yeah, oh, I'm on the plane by myself. I yeah. would have to say that my mother would never have, never. I always tell her, I go, mom, you're ahead of your time. You're a helicopter parent ahead of your time. Yeah, she just, there was no way. Mm-mm. I know. I'm kind of surprised that my mom did let me go, but. Well, she must have trusted the mom and. Yeah. And the plane, I mean, just, I don't know. It was different, right? It was, was. the world was different. It was different. Going on planes wasn't as chaotic as it feels like maybe it is now. Yeah. (laughs) It feels very chaotic now. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's different being in one spot and everybody around you moving. It's a different that's why I love this podcast because I'm I feel like there are people that will totally relate to what we're talking about and they'll totally get it. And then there's people that are on the other side, right? And they were the ones that were moving all the time. So yeah, they were the ones like my mom and my dad. My my dad, he he liked the idea of adventure. Um, but his family, um, his dad lost they his dad inherited 60 acres from his grandma. My dad was born in 1929 Mm. on October 14th, the day that the stock market crashed, my dad was born a twin. Wow. So there's that story. And his grandma, his father's mother had five children, I think. And her husband died and she was left with this giant farm. And somehow she kept the farm going, but she was like, so careful with money, like really tight with money because back then you kind of were anyway, because, and she was a woman alone. I don't know how she did it, honestly. And I think she must've had to hire people. And then she gifted her children. I think three of them, I think maybe four children. Anyway, three of them with parts of this farm and my dad's father lost the farm because he just was not a practical, like he wasn't a farmer Mm. guy. Yeah. And my dad still, I don't, to this day, I think just is mad about that. And then they had a nice, nice house, quote unquote, on the, he said on the highway. Um, and they lost that when his dad lost um, a job. And I'm like, your dad had an eighth grade education. 
you know, yeah. in five kids. And it's amazing that he did as well as he did. But yeah, so my dad also kind of lost a lot of places that he lived. So even though he liked the idea of moving, I think he appreciated the fact that we didn't, you know, that we stayed in the same place for a period of time. Yeah. And you didn't have to move. Like it sounds like in those cases, like he, they had to, it was, there was no option, right? It was just like this happened and you don't have a choice. You have to move. Yeah. And my dad had the same job for 30 years at IBM. So very stable, very loyal. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. The same job. I always say my dad, you could like wound the clock by him. Like he would leave the same time every day and he would come home the same, same time every day. And he would get on his bike and ride his bike for half an hour and come back. I mean, it was just the same every single day. That's what I mean. Some, some people can do that. I don't know. I don't know if I could do that, but I know consistency, I guess. I know <laughs> I had a model, but somehow it didn't rub off. <laughs> that is not me. <laughs> So, okay. So we talked about what home means to you. We talked kind of about like your first home and you've said 10 days. So what were you, what, what is that? 10 days Were you, you weren't in the hospital for 10 days, hopefully. No, I was 10 days old. My mother had to move from their apartment when I was 10 days old because, and they had they actually had a month. They could have stayed in the apartment so that my mom could have rested. But my dad, because of his upbringing, there was no way that he was going to pay double rent. That he was going to have to pay his mortgage and his rent <laughs> was not going to happen. And so he moves my mom in, brand new mother with a 10-day-old baby somehow. I don't know. And then it was a new development. And so it was like her and like two other houses. There was nothing out there. And so she was alone with a newborn. Yeah. In this house. Wow. I know. I think about that. (laughs) And how, so it was a new build. Was it, did it take a while to build and they had just finished it or I wonder? I don't, I, you know, I don't know all the details. Um, And I wish I knew how much they paid for it because it was 1967. So Probably like two thousand dollars. No, I think it was more like thirty, but still, <laughs> still. like amazing, right? Especially now, their house is uh, worth upwards of one point five million or something. Yeah, and I'm like, really, our house? Okay, um, but it's location. It's real tour. You know about that, um, but I don't exactly know what the scenario was, but they'd finished the house and they handed, you know, they did all the paperwork, but just, just the way that things were, it was brand new and they could have, they could move in right away or they could have waited, um, till their rent, you know, like it's like they had a few days and for the month and, and, or they would have to pay a whole other month of rent. And my dad was like, Oh my gosh, no. So yeah, I think I think that just each house is, you know, the house. And so mom said there was just always construction noise for years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, because yeah. all the other houses were being built. People don't think about that sometimes when they build in a new home community is that construction. 
Right. And so your house might be finished, but neighbor's house isn't finished. Yeah. So yeah, it was wild. So then over those years that you lived there, the community probably sprung up around you with houses and trees and yeah. Yeah. It's like, it used to be peach orchards and then suddenly it was a Silicon Valley, you know? Yes. Um, yeah, we had a field behind my house for when I was a child. And then I think when I was around sixth grade, they started developing that field from the field behind my house all the way to the foothills. They, they were developing. Mm. I went one day, I was so mad about it. I was just like progress. I hate that word. It's the worst word. I don't, what do you mean? You know, I didn't realize that my house was built, you know, but I couldn't, I wanted my field. And so I'm out there in my little girl, like long dress with my nice shoes on. I don't know where I had been, but I walked up to the little construction guy and I'm just like staring at him and he didn't know what to do. And I don't think I could talk. I mean, I could talk, but I was like, I was, I was sending him mental messages because (laughs) I didn't really have the kind of verbal capacity that other kids did and then I think I might have just said I don't I I don't like it or you know and and he's like you got to get off it's dangerous and so yeah I was not happy but Mm. yes there was a lot and it just kept you know the sprawl just kept going yeah the valley of heart's delight (sighs) I think is what it was called oh yeah and um yeah, there still is an orchard out there somewhere. I just heard about it on the radio mm-hmm. and I want to go visit it because it sounds really cool. You know, it's really kind of eerie and sad and curious to me is that when that in that field behind our house, I used to find arrowheads. Wow. Yeah. And I, I don't think I have any of them yet. We might, I might somewhere have one, but just knowing it's like, if you have a question about whether you're on native land, I didn't have to question it. You're right. I have some, Yeah, I have, they're right over there. I have some, yeah. and I'm sure my mom and da- my mom or my dad dug them up. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of yeah wild. That is wild. Wow. I just put that together. Yeah. I, guess. I mean, I knew it, but then yeah. Wow. Yeah. Right. And I felt very connected. Like as a child, I felt, I didn't, I felt very connected to the land. I felt connected to the rocks and to the arrowheads. Like I knew what they were, but I didn't really understand the history. And, you know, as a kid, but I felt way more connected to that field and that place than like school and the mall (laughs) and the stores and all the places that everyone else insisted were the greatest. So it was interesting. Mm. I know we used to go to Almrock Park and they had um, the water would pour over the rocks and you could, it was like a spring or something and you could drink it just from that spring. Mm -hmm. And it was like delicious, but although it was a little bit like it tasted a little bit different because there was something in it, but metally or something. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they'll let you drink it anymore, but maybe they will. I haven't been there in a while. No. (laughs) And some of those hills are still barren because they've been protected. Yeah, I think the hills behind my house, which is still there, are bare. Yeah. So I've kind of been wanting to like go back and climb the hill because I used to always climb the hills too. Oh. 
That'd be fun. I'll go with you. We can go. Okay. Oh, that'd be great. Well, because I think about like San Francisco, right? And there's houses and houses and houses and houses, right? Yeah. And the that's the hills probably look similar, right? Yeah. To the maybe a little different, but but that's what I think of is like, well, if we just keep building on the hills, they're gonna look like that. You know. Yeah. And there have been some developments that they've built, but I don't know. Every time I go back, I'm like, oh, there's still empty space for now, for this moment. I know. I'm always curious. And there's always like the one house that's way up on the top of the hill, almost on the other side that I'm just like, who lives up there? Mm-hmm. That's what I want to know. Holly wants to live up there. Holly wants to live <laughs> up there. No more building around my house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The bay. For some people, home can be a physical space. If you are listening to this podcast and dreaming of moving into a new home, but not sure of the first step to take, I created my course, Yes, You Can Become a Homeowner, just for you. Maybe you're sick of the landlord raising your rent again, or you really want to get a dog and you need more space. The course, Yes, You Can Become a Homeowner, includes short videos and a plan for exactly how to break up with your landlord and find that backyard you've been dreaming of. Binge watch the course in just a few hours. Included with the course is access to my exclusive community, a place where you can ask questions, connect with other women who are on the same journey, and celebrate once you get the keys to your very own home. Start your path to finding home by visiting movewithrose.com backslash keys. That's keys, K-E-Y-S. Okay, let's see. Where were we? We were talking about. Oh, so okay, you're in Sacramento now. So how did how did uh how did you move or like how did you find a new home in Sacramento or however you want to answer that question? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I ended up in just outside of Sacramento. I always like to say I'm in Fair Oaks outside of Sacramento. Because I was in Sacramento for several years. So, and it was um, fine, but there's something about Fair Oaks. Um, like there was parts of Sacramento that I wish that I could have lived in. And I'm sorry if you can hear my cat. I hope you can't. I cannot, um, but I love cats. So it's okay. Yeah. She just likes to make lots of noise outside my door. Um, so she's part of what home is now. Um, but um, I'm in Fair Oaks and close, close-ish to the river, which I love. And I actually feel more at home here than I ever did in San Jose, even though I have real memories. My house, I had dreams about that house for years. 
Wow. I mean, it just is like, and it still comes up in my dreams sometimes because that was my ground. That was my like sacred ground as my home. Um, but here I feel like the whole community is my home, which I love. It's a little different, but, um, I graduated from college and my mother's best friend had a daughter who I was friends with since we were little kids, little, little tiny girls. And she, they moved up, they lived up near Red Bluff or in Red Bluff, I think at the time, which is about a couple hours north of Sacramento area. And I was in San Jose, which is a couple hours south of Sacramento area. And she was going to come to Sacramento to go to junior college and do some things. And I had no idea what I was doing with my life because I just graduated college, but I wanted to move out of my house. It was mm-hmm. like, okay, I've been here long enough. And now I have a choice. I want to move. It's time. Yay. I mean, I didn't even move out and I went to school in San Jose. I went to San Jose state. So I didn't even like live in the dorms or anything. So I was ready. And, um, so I, (laughs) my friend just said, you know, I need a roommate. And I thought, well, Sacramento is as good as any other place. I don't really know what I'm doing. And so I ended up there. It was kind of not the best year because I was really poor. Couldn't find a job, had a job as a waitress at a country club in Davis. Mm. Um, and it was very, very torturous and terrible. And, um, you know, and I felt really bad about myself because I had a college degree and I couldn't get a job, but it was 1991 or yeah, 91. And I think it was a time where it was hard to get a job. Yeah. And, um, met my husband there though, Mm. at the country club, he was working because he went to school in Davis and we met and, um, I, said um at the end of the year the the country club is going to schedule me on christmas eve and i went oh i have to quit then because i can't do that so i quit and said i'm moving out I told my friend i said i'm moving out by january and you know i'll give you a month to find a roommate but i can't like i can't be here anymore it was just hard it was a really hard time in my life i just was felt mm. so just down and I said, I got to restart and I'm going to go. Mom and dad said, come on back. So I went there and my husband just kind of followed me there. just shows up at the house one day and he's like, yeah, well, can I stay in the guest room? And he, my mother, my parents made him stay in the guest room. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, we got married seven months after our first date. Wow. I, I don't even get it. But anyway. Um, and we lived in San Francisco for about three and a half years. And then he got a job in Sacramento and he, he was from Davis. He loved Davis and he loved the Sacramento area. So for him, it was more like his home. And I said, okay, you know, I was, I'm, I was open to anything. I mean, there was a time where he could have gotten a job in, um, the United Arab and Emirates. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know. I didn't know anything back then, but I'm like, sure, let's move there. I mean, kind of glad that that didn't happen um, <laughs> just because that would have been a little bit much of a cult- culture shock, I think. Um, but yeah, so we ended up here and it just, we just stayed. I mean, it's just his family. And then my parents moved out of that house mm-hmm. when their grandchild moved away and came up here. And so we all ended up here. So his family, my family, and my sister's husband's family all live in this area. Wow. Within half an hour, 45 minutes of each other. So, because my parents both left their states, one Idaho, one Indiana, and 
left their families. And so they were, when we were growing up in California, we spent every holiday with another family who I think of as more like my real aunt and uncle and my, my cousins, cause I'm so close to them, yeah. but they weren't, you know, biological family. And so then coming and then growing up where there's like extended family is weird. <laughs> I don't know. Is the next generation going to flip again and go move to somewhere else ra- random? I don't know. I have a feeling that they're kind of, well, not my son. <laughs> I don't know about other people. He's like, I'm not moving far away from my family. Okay. Yeah. So I think we've got a couple of the, of the nephews who moved out. Uh, like in they're in Florida or Texas or, you know, they're somewhere else, but everybody else is close. So it was kind of just happenstance, but San Jose was really cool in a lot of ways, but I really didn't ever feel that sense of home other than in my home in Sacramento. I feel that sense of home in my home with all the different communities I've met here, you know, the music community, the yoga community, the writing community, the, even the Waldorf education community, because my son went to Waldorf school. Um, just the business, the entrepreneurial com- com- community. I, I, there's a friendliness here that I didn't feel in the Bay area hmm. for me. Yeah. Yeah. And Fair Oaks has chickens. So, or is it roosters? Roosters. Roosters. Well, we did. I don't know. They're redoing the whole village right now. And the roosters, oh. I don't know where the roosters are. It makes me a little nervous in our little, we have a park behind my house, not right behind it, but behind my neighborhood, Fair Oaks park, which is different than Fair Oaks village park. And, um, there have been a couple of roosters there. So I think some people moved them to our park, but I don't know. We'll see what happens when the rebuild, if they're going to be roosters again, they're having a little vacation and then they're going to come back maybe. Right. (laughs) Hopefully. I mean, well, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about the roosters living there, but I think they're pretty cool, but I don't have to deal with them every day. I'm not that close to them, so it's fine. (laughs) I know in Davis they have turkeys that have become uh, problematic, but. um, We have turkeys here too that walk around our neighborhood in the, you know, just at peak season when you, they should be hiding, but um, I haven't seen any this year. Yeah. We have a flock of maybe like 15 that goes around. So one time when I first moved here, probably seven years ago, I woke up and there was a turkey on the roof of the car, just like hanging (laughs) out. They crack me up. And I was like, cool, you can just hang out there. (laughs) I know my cats, when the, when the turkeys came into the yard, they were just staring at them. Like, what are these giant birds? Didn't know what to do. Yeah. We have a lot of wildlife out here, you know, for a suburb. Yeah. All right. Well, that thank you for sharing about how you made it to Sacramento with a little detour in San Francisco. What part of San Francisco were you in? Uh, Richmond District, which is kind of near the Golden Gate Park area. So it was foggier out where I lived. It was pretty foggy. Yeah. Uh, near uh, Clement Street. Mm. Yeah. It was great. I loved it. I am glad I lived there when I did. I don't know if I'd want to live there now. Um, yeah. I would say it's been Googled. Um, and so I'm just. <laughs> it's been Googled. <laughs> like, but yeah, it was, it was still kind of funky back then. Yeah. What did, did that place feel like home? Like I said, I can make 
wherever I am feel like home because I bring, you know, I have to, I have to, I have to like hang things on the wall and I had a cat and you know, all that. And so it, San Francisco has a special place for me and, but I, I don't, like I said, I don't think I could live there now. Um, but for many years, it's just, I immediately just relax. It's weird because most people go to the city and stress out. I just get there and I think, oh, it just feels like an adventure to me. Yeah. Well, I go to the kind of quieter parts of the city, you know, like yeah. Land's End and take the hike over there. And um, there's a, there's a, what do you call it? A labyrinth that somebody built up on top where you can look out over and see the, the ocean of the bay and the, and the, the, the bridge and then walk the labyrinth. It's really windy up there. Um, yeah. And Clement Street's not really super packed like compared to a lot of other parts of the city. Yeah. You can kind of maybe even find park. <laughs> yeah. And different neighborhoods in San Francisco will give you a whole different vibe. Yeah. Like if, if you only go to one part of San Francisco, you might have a totally different view of like someone who went to a different part of it. I feel like. Oh, yeah. yeah. My friend lived um, in the Mission District right next to, um, I don't remember the street, but it's it's like the old Mission District was kind of going and she said, it's like the hipster apocalypse around here. <laughs> just everything everywhere and yeah she she was glad to get out I think when she lived there it was it was more recent yeah um, and it was busy where she was it was different it was a different vibe well let's see um anything else you want to share about home well now that you ask I think what what's been happening with me I will I will end this way so what's happened with me in the last few years is that so there was this whole idea of decorating. So like putting a, almost like putting the mask on the home to make it mine. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think it's partially a, a, it's partially midlife. It's partially, you know, I became a yoga teacher and I did all this like quote unquote inner work and um, therapy and all the things that people do. And so in the last few years, home is less about the stuff and less about the decorating and it's more about being home inside myself. And I think that's why I do the work I do because it's also, it's kind of that feeling that, that, that when I go to Land's End and I go, ah, oh, so beautiful here. When I feel at home inside my own body, it feels the same way. It's like a big exhale, like, ah, oh, I'm home. I can relax. And so to be able to take like, I don't even, I don't, I don't even need to take the notebook or the crystals. If I have, have myself that I just feel like I'm home here and I can go anywhere and I can be at home and feel like I can talk to people like other human beings and not feel awkward. And I don't feel awkward anymore because I feel at home here in my body. Oh, that's so beautiful. <laughs> that it sounds like it took you a while to get to that place. Yes. 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 From, you know, feeling very disembodied as a young child, just kind of floating up in the clouds a lot. And really I'm just kind of floating above myself and then, um, and then trying to go into the intellect. So I moved from top above my head to my head, to my brain, 
And then it wasn't until, you know, having a child and practicing yoga that I actually came down into my feet and into my, you know, actual gut in my body. And so it has been, it took a lot of work to kind of get to this place and it feels so much better. It feels so much more like secure. It's kind of like, oh, I've been in this house. I've lived in this house, my body for a very long time. And uh, so it's probably the best house, I, best home I have. Yeah. And you know it well and you, yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah. Our body is our, our home anywhere. <laughs> we can't, we can't go anywhere without it. <laughs> no, we can't. And you know, I, I'm not a perfect steward of it. I will have to say like, there's some repairs that need to be done, but you know, that's okay. That's just the way it is. <laughs> I feel like everybody has repairs that need to be done. All the time. Maintenance. <laughs> we got lots of maintenance. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you for so much for being on the podcast and sharing your stories. Um, they are so lovely and um, it is clear that you're a writer and an artist and I can just hear it from the way that you tell your stories. And um, do you want to share how people can connect with you um, if they would like to learn more about your story tending or anything else? Yes. Um, I can be found on the social medias, um, Facebook, I'm mostly on Instagram though, but I would just automatically say Facebook and, um, I'm on threads, but not very much. I'm not on that other one with the new name. Um, and I even think LinkedIn, I think it's all Holly Holt writes. I think my handle on all of those is Holly Holt writes. And then, um, hollyholt.com is my website that is currently being redecorated. So, um, Hopefully by the time this podcast comes out, there will be something there for them to visit a home for them to visit for everyone oh, to visit. You're redecorating your digital home. I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can have digital homes too. Okay. There we go. Great. Well, yes. And definitely I recommend following Holly on all the socials and checking out her beautiful new website when it is. Uh, launched hopefully before we launch this podcast and thanks again for sharing today thank you for having me A very special thank you to everyone who contributed to this home is where dot 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 episode. Today's guest, Holly Holt, custom music written and performed by Juniper Waller and Billy D. Thompson, editing by Danielle McKinney. If you would like to be a guest on the podcast and share your story of home, send an email to rose at movewithrose.com. May we all have a chance to find home, feel at home, and be home.
拜。